Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. My name is Ari Shapiro, and I'm thrilled to be here for my second annual review of the Toronto Blue Jays with Kareem Kanji. I'm a professional podcaster, sports journalist, and uh, raconteur who loves telling it like it is. Thanks for coming back. Hey, it's my pleasure. <laughs> so last year when we met, we I think we met on the first day, right? The day day game one. Yeah, and we were both wearing our uniforms. We were. We both had our we had our jerseys on. What? I can't remember if we had our hats, but our jerseys for sure. I think if we had our jerseys on, we probably brought the hats as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we wanted to be proud geeks. We did. Proud nerds of the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, you you said some things about some players. Um, I did. Didn't yeah, I? yeah. And, and and specific, I think, Pierce. You were high. Were you high? I think you were high. Oh, you just threw me right into the into the <laughs> fire, eh? You're, uh, you're holding me up. Listen, I, I said a lot of things on your show that I went back recently and listened to. Yeah. And I think about close to 60% made me cringe. Really? Not, not just because I was necessarily wrong, but because the level of idealism that I brought to the table. You were overly optimistic? I, 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 not just that. I don't think I was terribly optimistic. Mm-hmm. I think I just put a lot of stock into certain players yeah. getting it done, getting sure. the job done, sure. earning their keep. Yeah. And I, I can't stress it enough. I, I always say this on my own show and whenever I get called to go on any, you know, Sportsnet or TSN mm-hmm. radio appearance, I always talk about how it would be easy to blame the failure of last year on injuries. Even though that's always part of the narrative. You sure. know, people say last year was a fiasco. The Blue Sanchez, Jays were horrible. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We missed all the key guys, Travis and Donaldson in the first part mm-hmm. of the season. And then, of course, all the injuries that happened with various different position players. Yeah. It was like a, it was a, a cavalcade of unfortunate events. Yeah. But first and foremost, it came down to players not, not doing sh- what they were paid to do. Yeah, there were enough. way too many positions last year yeah. that were black holes. Yeah. Like no production. Absolutely. You know, a negative wins above replacement, which yeah. is like you hiring me for a job and me not it's doing it cost you. for the whole year. That's it. No, just exactly. Because yeah. it's zero value add. Yeah. And if you factor in the number of players who, even if they had had average years, mm-hmm. the Blue Jays could have challenged in late September for that second one. You had start. a tweet uh, a couple of days ago, maybe, and you you highlighted all the players that are without contract what their salary was last year and what their war was. Yeah, it was... Uh, who who were the... Do you remember that tweet? I was looking at the the free agents out there that were still unsigned with like two days to go. Yeah. Um, to the start of the season. And they weren't like marginal names. They were players that you may have talked about quite often in the past. Sure. And it was our own Jose Bautista. Yeah. Or Jason Wirth. Yeah. Or Andre Ethier. Or uh, Brandon Moss, like Matt Holiday. We're talking about players that, sure. on average, were were paid they were about feared. fifteen million dollars a year on average. Were yeah. paid mm-hmm. and feared uh, in producing a negative wins above replacement. All like, of them like combined. All of them, all of them combined were were underachievers to such a degree mm-hmm. that their teams looked at their contribution and said, "We want nothing to do with you again." <laughs> and and the sadness, of course, is that in Jose Bautista's case, yeah. We talked about this on my show when you were mm-hmm. on a couple of weeks ago. He's unemployed, and it's really sad. Yeah, he may retire without being able to get a job in this game, and that's one of those things that I would hate to ask him in the future, interviewing him how he yeah. felt about that because he can't be pleased. Oh, absolutely! He's very no proud way man. would he have ever scripted it to no. end like this. No, no, absolutely. Um, but a new season is upon us, and I think in in baseball, as opposed to 
maybe other sports. Baseball is one season, and I, I think it has something to do with the weather uh, turning and improving. Uh, I think it has to do with a 162-game marathon of a season where people are positive about their team. Uh, on the most part, I, you know what I'll talk about just for the Jays on the Jays part. We think we've got great players. Um, the fans are excited, um, and 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 hope springs eternal. It certainly does. Yeah, but there's very little evidence to believe you have a reason to be hopeful when your team over the last five Aprils is a combined twenty-two games under five hundred. Mm. I cannot stress enough to you, Kareem, how this Blue Jays team if they don't get off to a half-decent start, will literally be rendered irrelevant in the eyes of the average sports-goer in Toronto. Because fans here are just going to be too preoccupied. You're not optimistic, with, are you? Listen, it sounds cynical. It doesn't yeah. have to be. They just have to come out and start winning early. Otherwise, what will happen is the Maple Leafs and the Raptors will completely dominate mm. the airwaves. And people would rather watch a team that's going into the playoffs sure. as a winner throughout the year yeah. than one that is being second-guessed as being a contender. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is probably the most intense off-season I've witnessed with fan chatter. Yeah. But perhaps the most low-key in expectations. Because no one You're really right. knows There's, what to expect, there, right? This, yeah. This team is so bloody enigmatic. Mm -hmm. You could easily make the case that they could win as many as 90 games yeah. and lose as many as 70, you know, win as many as 70. Yeah. You know, and, and, and get uh, close to 100 losses. Anything is possible with the way they've constructed this team. True. So I don't know how you feel about that. I'm not necessarily thrilled about it because I hate shifting variables. I've always <laughs> been an old school baseball guy who yeah. knows that, you know, this is my all-star players. These are my players that I can count on. Yeah. And these are the ones that I can rely on to have half decent years. I don't know outside of maybe a small mitful of players who I can honestly tell you how they'll do. I can project possibilities. I know them inside and out. I know this roster in my sleep naturally. But if you ask me to put money on it or to bet on it yeah. and say, Mr. Shapiro, who do you trust? I'll be yeah. like, oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. Well, listen, let's start. You know, a, a lot of people experience the Blue Jays on television or on radio. Uh, I'm more of a radio guy uh, only because, you know, when you've got a busy lifestyle, when you got kids to ship around and you're running around doing different things, the radio is always with you. Uh, and the voice of Blue Jays baseball uh, is going to be different than, it's, than it has been in my lifetime. Uh, we have Jerry Howarth who announced his retirement uh, during spring training. Uh, he wasn't able to, uh, he felt he wasn't able to complete a full season. What what does, what did Jerry and his longtime partner who passed away, uh, Tom Cheek, what, what do those voices mean for the Blue Jays? Or what does it mean for you? What it means for me and what it means to for the franchise now might be two different things mm. because I think the Toronto Blue Jays as an organization are doing their best to pull away from having nostalgia as a replacement for results. Mm. They're worried about that. This is a transition, of course. You know, I grew up on Tom and Jerry, and they were part of every seminal moment I can think back of that was meaningful with the yeah, Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're someone who's under the age <clears throat> of uh, 25, you might not have any clue what the heck I'm talking about. Sure. Because there haven't been that many seminal moments. Yeah. Um, but if you go back and trace them, to Jerry in particular in the last, say, 10, 12 years, he's been there front and center. So not yeah. having him around, I'll tell you, I don't envy Ben Wagner and, and Dan Shulman for stepping in there. Dan, of course, everybody's already familiar with yes. in the radio booth. But, well respected. But not having Jerry there. Yeah. 
It's going to be jarring. Baseball's going to sound it's different. It's going to be jarring. It's going to sound different. It's going to feel different, mm-hmm. especially for those who love, like me, jockeying between the radio experience with the television image and occasionally relying on television commentary. Yeah. You know, now you've got Joe Siddle, who I felt was decent on the radio, now being upgraded to a really challenging position. Yeah. Which is how to keep yourself interesting with both sight and sound. I thought he was a good, good color man on, on radio. I thought he was capable. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. He know. held his own. Yeah, I think he held his own, but I think he always did it in the shadow of the of the shoes he was filling. Sure, that's, that's the problem with anyone who stepped into the position that Tom had, mm-hmm. and now stepping into Jerry's both play by play and color side. I, I don't know what to expect. I'll I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they can prove themselves and endear themselves, but it's kind of like you know to some degree when. You know, all the classic Maple Leafs announcers from Paul to uh, Andy, you know, were there and then they left and then you had to get used to the new guy. I still don't mm. remember his name, which is unfortunate. <laughs> it shows you how things have changed. Sure, it's sure, now sure. less about the indelible mark that these commentators leave because they're making new memories. You know, the yeah. Maple Leafs are rejuvenated and ready to, for new memories. That's the so Raptors true. are making new memories and hopefully the Blue Jays will follow yeah. suit. But the only way it'll work, again, going back to my earlier is they've got to win. Well, they've got to give people a reason, fans. To winning win. solves everything. Exactly. You know? It truly does. I think Ben, I think ben Wagner is, is, is capable. I've heard a few spring training games. Um, I, I like how he, he describes the game. Um, yeah. You know, and so. and I, I had an opportunity to, to to hear him in Toronto at a at a Pitch Talks event a few years ago um, and was very impressed with him. And he's done a great job with, with, with Buffalo. And I think last year he made a, couple, a few appearances, a few guest appearances. He did. He did. And like I yeah. said, it, it I shifted everything well. uh, from radio to both television. Yeah. Obviously, Greg Zahn is no longer in the equation. And mm. as a result, we have to get used to new formats. And I think fans are fine with that if those formats are synonymous with a reason to tune in. Yeah. As opposed to the team struggling, and then people are like, what's going on on the radio and television? You know, <laughs> you need that synergy. That's how you become... Yeah. Uh, a, a, a media company that knows what it's doing, mm-hmm. and this one's got a pretty high standard, right? I mean, it's only Rogers. I've only I've I've already forgotten about Greg Zahn. I think a lot of people have too, <laughs> as evidenced by his podcast. Yeah. It's a bit of a low blow there. I is don't mean it? to do that, but the truth is, uh, the manalist, as he still calls himself, politically incorrectly, uh, isn't quite the same without the backing of uh, no, you know, his organization, the Jays. So. Uh, it truly is a changing of the guard. I don't know what I can offer you on Greg Zahn other than the fact that he had a really great job that I and he me, did. that I wish I had. Yeah. And he blew it. And, I mean, how much sympathy can I have for someone? Sure. Uh, both in the context of how he lost the job mm-hmm. and the fact that it was wearing thin on a lot of people, the, cr- the criticism of the Blue Jays. One yeah. of the things I don't like is when you have someone who's on television as your play-by-play or someone who does the editorial side and they further trash the team than it already is. And I think Rogers took exception of that. He was he was always very critical and, and, and rightfully so on a lot of his points because he understands the game. But sometimes I think he reached a point where the organization was saying, wait a minute, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. Hmm. We're not supposed to be hiring people to make our fans feel worse. We're supposed to be finding a way to make them not drink the Kool-Aid, but see the bright side of sure. what the future might hold. And I think that's what this restructuring was all about. Give the fans a new take, a new perspective. And hopefully it won't be drenched in this Kool-Aid that we've been drinking in the past when it comes to media presentations. A lot of people were talking about Mike Wilner sort of stepping up in, in, in the booth. Um, he, I don't want to use the word stuck because I think many people who are Jays fans or baseball fans would love his job. 
It would. Yeah. And, and he's got a following of people who appreciate the effort he puts in because he's a talented guy. I've always liked yeah. listening to Mike Wilner. My problem with Mike Wilner has has been the way that he manages the whole Jay's Talk mm-hmm. show, the format. Not that he doesn't do a good job, but I don't think he does it correctly. He doesn't do it the way it's supposed to be, which is to hmm. facilitate fan enthusiasm and not diminish it by bringing them down to earth as abruptly as he does. Yeah. I mean, he's just, you know, if you, you can just tell that he has to deal with some really unfair phone calls from unreasonable people. Sure. But at the end of the day, they're the ones taking their time to call him. They're the fans. And in yeah. my books, you respect the fan above all else. That's interesting. You don't, you don't give them a pulpit to be mm-hmm. um, unruly mm-hmm. and disrespectful. But if you are going to have the privilege of them calling them in, then let them get their point across. And I don't think that has anything to do with the fact that the reason Mike Wilner was passed over maybe is because of that infamous incident with Cito Gaston in 2010 mm. when he criticized him and then Cito took exception and then the organization suspended him for a weekend. Yeah. And then the Baseball Writers Association came flying out like a bat out of hell saying, you can't do that. You can't. That's, you're censoring journalism. And yeah. it's true, they were. Because sure. Mike didn't do anything wrong. He no. was just critical of a bullpen decision. Yeah. And poor Cito was having a bad night. And we all have bad nights. And I don't know about your last bad night, but if somebody, <laughs> if you bit off somebody's head, you probably regretted it after. Sure, and, sure, sure. And unfortunately, Mike was the recipient of a bitter and angry Cito. Yeah. And that was never really forgotten. Otherwise, I can't explain why he wouldn't get a chance yeah. because he clearly has been doing it in the past. Maybe we can't assume. Maybe he didn't want it either. I don't know well, get, what enough. his ambitions are, but I can fair tell enough. you that, uh, you know, the level of criticism for Mike Wilner is usually commensurate with how the team is doing. And the better they're doing, the less people <laughs> the, have the, reasons to criticize. Fair enough. Them, so. Fair enough. Um, I, now, I, I've, I've, it's been a busy day for me, and I haven't had a chance to to read uh, anything online. But I saw a tweet recently by J.P. Arancibia. Uh, saying something to the effect that uh, can't wait to come back to the Jays or something along those lines. What's do you know anything about this? What are your thoughts? I don't. I don't because it's it's truly a blind spot in a way. I mean, JP or CB has been working hard to be this charismatic baseball resource, but hmm. I don't know if everything is kosher with him in the organization. Because remember, when he was here, there was some acrimonious yeah. exchanges, especially on Twitter. Uh, he felt maybe he wasn't treated as well by the organization as he should have. Or uh, even by the media, right? He or even really... by the media, but I, I don't buy that because the media's job is just to be critical, yeah. to get information out. Occasionally, you're going to feel like you've got a burr under your saddle, but that doesn't mean that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. The mm. media is your friend if you're honest and straightforward. And the Fair problem with, with JP was he wasn't producing, and he was trying to find excuses for it. And yeah. The reality is when you burst on the scene with that first game that he had, remember, I think it was two home runs two home and six runs? RBIs or something, something like that. that. Yeah. And then he went kaput after that. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even rebound at any point. And I think that fans, you can't survive in this market as a mediocre catcher. Like R- Russell Martin, Russell, as long as Russell Martin is catching, we won't have to worry about that. But you wait until we don't have a Russell Martin. Until... <laughs> and then you'll realize how vital catchers when are. When Luke Bailey is uh, catching. <laughs> Luke Bailey can only do what he can, but the Fair reality enough. is there is no plan B. So no, if something not happens right to Russell in game three, it's over. then it's pretty much <laughs> over. Exactly. You, you can't you can't mess around with that position in baseball. It's too mm. crucial. Especially when you've got a, a plus defender and a guy who lowers the team ERA by half just by being just in by the being, game. Yeah. I mean, that's a historic fact. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get into the argument as to whether he's a winner because, yes, he's been in like nine of the last 12 years playoffs, but he hasn't won the World Series. So mm. I don't know whether you consider Fair him a winner. Enough. I, I think he's a winning catcher. He, yes. He, he improves your chances more often than Absolutely. not. But I'm sure he's 
chomping at the bit. Oh, who like wouldn't be, right? Who wouldn't it be? Um, before we get to the team, uh, when, when do you think, whether it's on TV, and I know we've got Hazel May that sort of does some of the pregame and some of the interviews in between innings, but um, I'd really love to see and hear a female voice do play-by-play or the color on TV and radio. What are your thoughts on, on when that will happen? For the I, Blue Jays. Su- I suspect it'll happen sooner than later, mm-hmm. but I don't expect it to happen until, as an organization, Rogers understands that there is some ridiculously talented females out there who are journalists, who are journalists first mm-hmm. and female second. I don't want to Fair refer enough. to them as female journalists sure. because to me, whether you're male or female, I will listen to what you have to say yeah. or read what you write or process and analyze what you digest for me as yeah. an analyst if I believe that you know what you're talking about and mm-hmm. it's bringing something new to the table. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of spoiled that way because I have a lot of female guests who come on my show who are leaders in their field, whether they're sportscasters, whether they're uh, writers, whether they're executives of media companies. And I'm in awe at how many of them probably get dismissed because there's still that male fraternity out there in baseball that's mm-hmm. like well it is it's a guy sport to some degree but that's changing hazel may has been at the forefront of changing that because she's sure, so sure. she's so talented yeah and so likable and doesn't have a pretentious bone in her body mm-hmm. and doesn't act in a way that she feels she needs to ingratiate herself to the moment because of her gender it has nothing to do with that she, fair enough you know it's the reason why rogers brought her back and i'm sure they gave her quite the pretty penny to bring her back because mm-hmm. she is uh, an elite sports casting presence i believe so i believe so and uh you know on the writer's side uh, on my show i've been impressed it's funny i have a round table coming up later this week where i have emily walden from the athletic and laura armstrong yes from the toronto star scheduled to be on the show awesome and i'll tell you when we talk baseball I, I literally forget that like you you would think hey you've got a female guest are you cognizant of that i'm like no because once we start talking baseball they know what they're talking about they know what they're talking yeah. about and therefore why do i care whether they're female or male Let's just have a good human interaction about something that we're passionate about. Yeah. And uh, on the hockey side, my favorite guest was Jackie Redmond for that reason. Mm. Now she's doing the NHL Network. Why? Because she is a phenomenal sportscaster. Yeah. She knows her stuff, and she's passionate about it. Yeah. And she makes a lot of the guys embarrassed in the room because they cannot keep up with her candor and her refinement and her passion for the sport. For sure. And the fact that she's also this savvy, business-minded woman who jumped from Sportsnet to... NHL Network, you yeah. go, girl. <laughs> okay, let's get to the uh, 2018 Toronto Blue Jays. Have they f- announced the final roster? Still a few moves that have to be made here, here and, there. and there. But, we can but I a, think we know. We, we, we've got a pretty good idea of who's going to play where yeah. and uh, what kind of uh, on-the-bench rotation they have and who the next call-up will Fair be enough. if, God yeah. forbid, things go off the rails well, let's let's start you know whether this is the starting lineup or not or in, in terms of the the first nine batters but let's start with uh one of the more recent additions to this team uh which i was like man you know you know he used to be an awesome player back in the day but he's still pretty good he's, he's had a great spring training Kurt, uh, uh curtis granderson your thoughts <laughs> it's so ironic you would start with him because he's the perfect way to start yeah uh, the analysis of this 2018 team why because okay because Curtis Granderson is a player I personally loved following, especially when he was with the New York Yankees. He would always step up and have that clutch moment. Smart baseball player, well-liked by his teammates, yeah. and, and really influential in Major League Baseball with the Union. A great ambassador to the game. 
There's a but. But well, but but he's coming off the worst half of his baseball career when he was with the Dodgers, and, right. now, and now he's here with the Blue Jays, being asked to probably put in a significant amount of games in the outfield. Mm, yeah, and yeah. and of course, a lot of it is dependent on Steve Pierce, my my good old. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the guy who I was highly touting. You were last highly. Year. I feel like a broken record. It's like deja vu. I'm going to tell you right now that if he's healthy, yeah, yeah, Pierce will get a lot of at bats. But I love Granderson from the left side. I love Granderson taking hacks in the Sky Dome, and I'm going to call it that because I figure it's a great way for me to stay idealistic. It's he's in a hack. Dome. I'm going to call it the Sky Dome. <laughs> Listen, uh, Curtis Granderson. If we get uh, even you know a small contribution out of him, I'll mm-hmm. consider anything above that a bonus. It's not realistic to expect at 37 that he's going to hit 300 and, sure. and, and hit, you know, 40. He doesn't play like he's 37, though. Let's be honest. No, he doesn't. And I think that's where the Blue Jays might have something special on their yeah. hands. Because I think his energy, his joie de vivre, as I like to say, <laughs> might really impress a lot of his teammates. And if he can hit, you know, 260, 250, 260, chip in with, you know, 15 to 20 home runs if he gets over 120 games and, and maybe drives in, you know, his share of runs and creates some havoc on the base paths. But again... Mm-hmm. Don't expect yeah. a player that sure. will awe you at the plate. Yeah. Expect somebody who might be able to keep the glue together for this team and keep them joining yeah. whenever they go through losing streaks. The one thing I'm afraid of is, is the turf at the Sky Dome. That that's that's yeah. the one thing that I think he'll he'll go from someone who's thirty seven that plays like he's in his early thirties to someone who's thirty seven and plays like he's thirty seven. There is a brutal irony in yeah. knowing that the Blue Jays once planned to renovate the Sky Dome. Sure. And that Mark Shapiro nixed it whether it was because they told him to do it, whether he thought it wasn't a good idea. Yeah. And this is a team that is not traveling with Devin Travis and Josh Donaldson because of the because turf of in the Montreal. Because of the turf in Montreal. Think about that. Yeah. So, so basically, it's not the best place for them to play, and Tula will probably be the first to tell you that. Yeah. But um, I agree. Curtis Granderson is banged up mm-hmm. through a great career that he's had. Sure. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a swan song. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Um, and someone who's expected to sort of trade places at the top of the order... Uh, Devin Travis, um, is he going to play 100 games, 120 games? General Manager Ross Atkins yes. called him the most reliable and productive player at spring training this year. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I didn't have to paraphrase him. He just came out and he said that. And, mm. and the truth is he's been amazing. Yeah. And does that mean it'll translate into 120 games? Or I, more? <laughs> I, I don't know how you can rely on that until he proves it, but I will say that it's incredibly, awesomely encouraging to know that a guy that I would have written off for starting this year three years uh, three months ago sure. has worked hard and put himself in a position to be the starting second baseman. Mm-hmm. Why? Because knowing that Aledmus Diaz had a great spring and you have Jan Hervis Solarte, yeah. suddenly you've got a ridiculous amount of infield depth mm-hmm. with Tulo not being able to start the year. And if Devin Stravis is healthy, you get everything. You get a leadoff hitter. You get a, a good high-contact yeah. uh, multi-pitch hitter who can take seven, eight, nine pitches a game to start. Yeah. You've got a guy who's a table setter. You've got a guy who's defensively sound. Mm-hmm. As Devin Travis goes, so does the good ship Blue Jay yeah. as it steers itself out of icy waters to start the year. Because everyone after him, if he goes down, is like, they're just players. They're just people filling in. He is the most cerebral bat right now in that lineup. I think if so. there's one guy you want in a clutch situation to take pitches and, mm. and have that kind of at bat... Aside from Donaldson, it's uh, it's Devin Travis, and uh, I almost had him on my show last year while he was rehabbing, and hopefully ah. I'll get him on the show this year. Sure, 
what what do you not like about this player? Everything about him is just there's a nothing slice not of baseball to like about goodness. He is the closest thing that reminds me to Kirby Puckett. I've written mm. about that. I've written articles about Devin Travis. I know his history. If anyone deserves to be the story of the year for the Blue Jays, it's Devin Travis. All right. And if he can stay healthy, he will be. I'm gonna put a star there. You do that. Um, you said uh, you you mentioned Josh Donaldson. This is an interesting season for the Blue Jays, a la Josh Donaldson. He's in his final year. Um, he's a free agent, or he's got the ability to be a free agent. Um, first of all, let's let's talk about the season that he could have. Um, you know, he's still down in Florida. Still down in Florida. Um, what what can, what are you expecting out of him this year? Well, the cap isn't one hundred percent, so his health is still an issue. Even though the Jays are downplaying it, and the he's downplaying it, and saying, "Hey, I'm healthy." Okay, if he's healthy, then my expectation is that he does everything in his power to have the best possible year he's had in his career. He doesn't need to do that, though, because his best years were ridiculous. If he can get off to a decent start and the team is winning, Mm -hmm. then I wouldn't be surprised if decisions are made upstairs to to keep him on long-term. Try to sign him long-term. Try to sign him long-term. Yeah. But honestly, if you look at the way this team is constructed and you look at their mandate moving forward and you understand who the controllable core is... Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And I hate to say that because I would love for them to sign him back. The problem is if they do that, if they take the sentimental option, it means it'll be for at least five, maybe six years mm-hmm. at at least 28 to $30 million. Yeah. And considering that list we just talked about of notable free agents who are still unsigned, yeah. do you really think Shapiro and Atkins are even considering that as an option? No, but no. but do you, let him, do you let him go and get a... Um, Get a get a sand, what is it called sandwich pick for him. It's not going to be that simple. It, it'll have a lot to do with how the team is doing, right? Yeah. Because if the team is competing, the worst thing they'll do is trade him at the deadline. That's why I'm saying this is intriguing to me. I don't know what they're thinking. I'm, you I mean I, the optics of it to the fans? Well, they're letting it roll. They're doing exactly what they did with Edwin and Carnacion, right? Which is saying sure. that they would love to have the player back but they're not courting the player. Why they haven't given him an offer? He's come out and said himself, we haven't gotten to that point. Yeah. So now they're letting it roll, and Josh is saying all the right things. He's going to go out and be industrious and try to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, the Blue Jays are sitting high up at the Sky Dome Hotel with their fingers crossed, wondering what's happening. <laughs> How are you doing? Are you hitting 320 hmm. with you know 21 homers at the break and 78 RBIs? Then it's a different conversation. Yeah. But if he slumps, or if he doesn't, ha- if he doesn't come out of the gate with that kind of ex- expectation of productivity, yeah. and the team is slumping, then I think it's a different course of action. Um, and you can make that move early. It's tough, you know. You are asking me to normalize a conversation involving an unlimited spending cap. It's not like we're talking about hockey, right? It's fair not, or basketball to some yeah. degree. We're talking about baseball, where you can. But spend the Jays as much have the Jays. I think you know. I mean, they've got their internal cap. I think we can all, <clears throat> you know, we can all assume that, or not assume, but you know, we can all guess that the the Blue Jays cap for next year isn't going any higher, knowing that Josh Donaldson. May not be. Able, I mean, how high can it go? They can you know accommodate him. I'm sure they can accommodate him if they believe keeping him is the way to go. Mm-hmm. But when you have a third gen, a third baseman, generational elite prospect that's on the horizon in yeah. Vladimir Guerrero, yeah, and we'll talk about him. Then sure, you have yeah. to ask yourself: Do we see a future for the next, say, up until 2023, where Josh Donaldson is manning third base every single day? And Vladdy's where? Exactly. Uh, not only do you have to move him to a different position, but again, I've got a 
19, 20 year old coming in to play third base and I'm trying to accommodate a 33, 34 year old. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's yeah. just the nature of the sport now. My heart is torn because I think Josh Donaldson is not the kind of player you trade. You don't get many game-breaking elite players of his caliber. Mm -hmm. But time is his worst enemy. Because yeah. how many of these elite game-breaking players are still productive when they're 35, 36, 37 yeah. years old? The answer is very, very few. And Detroit has the best exception in Cabrera, who defied expectations even with injuries. He's ageless. He's ageless because yeah. he's just... Listen, he's a legendary hitter, <laughs> right? He's a generational legendary hitter. Yes. Legendary hitters can do awesome things like defy the law of time and physics and yeah. and, and baseball continuum the way David Ortiz did in his final year. Mm. You know, oh, everybody wrote goodness. him off and he went off high. But I don't think the Blue Jays are prepared to spend $30 million a year to find out if Josh Donaldson is an effective player at no. the age of 37. And to be honest with you, we talked about it earlier. I, there's something about people in their mid-30s and the Skydome turf it's not, you know, a, a human body is a human body. And no matter how fit, you know, the, the amount of pounding that you put on your body, on your knees, on your back, on your ankles. Um, but you're making way too much sense because now my argument becomes <laughs> why haven't they traded him? If you know that, and I know that, yeah. and the listeners, your listeners know that, yeah. and Mark Shapiro knows that. Oh, they know that. Then why hasn't Josh Donaldson already been traded? Because if you think about it, it would have made a lot more logical baseball sense to mm -hmm. trade him this offseason, get full value. Can you get full value in the offseason or, or, or understand that Josh Donaldson going into free agency wants to have an awesome season so that he can maximize his earning potential and know how doggedly, um, I mean, he's like a dog at a, at a bone, right? He's, he's not going to let go. He's going to work as hard as he possibly can sure. to get all the crumbs off the table. I'm all for the carrot on a stick argument with yeah. Josh Donaldson. The problem is the timing. At least if you would have done something earlier, mm. you would have put him in a position where once you make that trade, you move forward and then it's up to that player to prove that after that year of controllability. Sure, sure, Although sure. any team that gets him is going to sign him to a long-term contract because that's why they're trading that's for the him. Yeah, yeah. How many teams are going to do that after this offseason? Like, this was a seminal free agency. We're talking about how awesome 2019 free agency will be. Mm -hmm. Learn from 2018. The system is broken right now. If and you have a bad season. And, well, especially if you have a bad season. Yeah. But even if you have a good season, if you have a good season and you're, let's say, a two-and-a-half wins above replacement outfielder and you're yeah. 32 years old, you're not going to get a ridiculously long contract. Fair enough. So, because there are now depth considerations, young players, yeah. you know, international signings. What I'm saying is, I don't know how Josh Donaldson will play out, mm -hmm. but I do know that the Blue Jays will be better with him. Uh, over under September 1st, is Josh Donaldson a Blue Jay? If the team plays the way I think they can, <laughs> yeah, and finds a way to leverage these depth and reclamation projects they've found, then yes, I think it'll still be Alrighty. a Toronto Blue Because they'll be in it. They'll okay. be in it, and the Blue Jays will not put themselves in a position where they part with their MVP caliber player and give fans an idea that they care <laughs> about the postseason. It's just not It's not compatible. You're just talking on both sides of your mouth. All righty. I think you're wrong, but let's move forward. <laughs> um Justin Smoke, first baseman. Is he going to have uh, the same sort of season that he had last year? What are your thoughts? I'm a little concerned because I didn't see enough in spring training that made me think that he's back to where he was in the 2017 mold. I think we're going to see some a combination of the 2016 mm. and before Justin Smoke with the 2017 revelation. Yeah, and I'm just I'm fine with that. Yeah. I think it was a little too ridiculous to see how well he <laughs> rebounded. 
Uh, it didn't get talked about enough because we were too busy focusing on all the mishaps and sure. unfortunate circumstances in Murphy's Law. But I think Justin Smoke, if he can continue to at least be a player that uh, has quality at bats. Again, I love the fact that when he hits from the left side, it's a it's a baseball fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Because when he hits that ball, it flies out like the natural. He's yeah. got that. You know, uh, morale is to a degree as well when they hook a pitch. I hope so. I'd be happy with about uh, 25 home runs and 80 RBIs from Justin wow. Smoke. It's still a great season. It's, it's a good season. Yeah. You know, but he's a first baseman, so you need power. So you need power. Like if, if there's one position that you care less about a narrative involving defense, <laughs> it's first even though it's important, don't get yes. me wrong, there are a lot of first basemen listening to this right now going, what are you talking about? That's an important position. It is. <laughs> but you've got to provide hitting and power. You need power. Kendris Morales, he didn't have that great of a season last I, year. You do recall if you go to the tape, I gushed and about you him loved on your him. show. You oh, of course I did. What, what, was there, what was there not to herald? It's fine like that Edwin say. is not coming back. Kendris Morales is going to make us forget about him. I and, think and, and, something and, along those lines. Oh, he so. made me forget about a lot of things. Unfortunately, it wasn't Edwin. <laughs> it was more, more like how many drinks have I had watching him? Where am I right now? Uh, Kendris Morales was one of those negative wins above replacement players that I mentioned earlier who was a black hole at his position. And for designated hitters, that is absolutely unforgettable. Unforgivable. It's yeah. not good. Unacceptable. It's not good. It's unacceptable is what it is. Uh, I think he'll be better this year. I think he dropped a little bit of weight, which is Apparently important. so, yeah, yeah, well, You can see it. You can yeah, see it. I yeah, watched yeah. him. You know, last week I remarked to someone that uh, my favorite my favorite Kendris Morales is the opposite field hitting, left-handed, smashing yeah. Meaner, leader, Kendris sure. Morales. Yeah. He needs to have a good year, though. He's being paid a lot of money to do mm-hmm. one thing that he didn't do at all last year, which is consistently hit driving runners in scoring position yeah. and being the glue that gets you from the top of the lineup to the middle of the lineup. Yeah. And he didn't protect anyone last year. No. And that's why I felt bad for players around him that struggled like Bautista. Yeah. He needs to be there this year. And again, I'd be happy with, you know, 25 and 80. I, I don't need guys to have crazy years. Sure. I just need them to be consistent. Yeah. Because that way they'll show the fans that they're a balanced team. You look at the 85 Blue Jays. They were a balanced team. No one's mm. stuck out at you as having a crazy year. But, you know, you got 25 home runs from Bell and a 25 from Barfield and Mosby and then you had Fernandez hitting. And you had, yeah. It was just a balanced team. I, I would rather a balanced Blue Jays team mm-hmm. than two or three guys having all-star years and everyone, everyone else, else screwing the pooch. Fair enough. Kevin Pillar, which, what what is is the book written on Kevin Pillar? Um, more than adequate center fielder, great center fielder defensively, but you know, two twenty two thirty hitter. He well, started off awesome last he, year. He started awesome last year. Yeah, up until about the fifth or sixth week, he was like gangbusters. Everybody was saying it was a new Kevin Pillar, mm-hmm. but then he ran his mouth and got into hot water over the yes, slur that that, right. that completely. I mean, it just devastated his season. Hmm. And and can you really be surprised by something like that? You know, hmm. he's a player who's very active in community and philanthropic efforts. He's got a new TD commercial, you know, which shows a fan pretending to do a TV dive, which is so deliciously ironic yeah. in, in, in ways that are good and bad yeah. for Kevin Pillar. And he's he's got to take whatever next step he started to take last year, hopefully a fresh year. Knowing how much is riding on this, look, he's got pressure this year because there are guys. Sadly, the worst thing that could happen early in spring training was losing Anthony Alford. 
Because mm. I really believe that if Alfred could show he could be a fourth outfielder or fifth outfielder, and with Teoscar Hernandez putting up serious numbers, that maybe they'd actually push him. As such, no one's pushing him again. It's his position, but I think he understands that if he has another middling year where he can't put it together, then I think this organization will start looking at players who can. And this is why I like the Jan Hervis Solarte acquisition, because he can play outfield, and if you can put him in the corners, then you can maybe slide Randall Grichuk, who's just as good, if not in some cases, better than Pilar at center field. So hmm. I, I appreciate the whole defensive argument. I'm just tired of it. Yeah. I'm not worried about that part of this game anymore. Sure. Quite frankly, I'm tired that we keep glorifying it in these commercials. Go out and hit consistently. Yeah. 260, 270 would make a lot of people happy. But, you know, don't have a month like you did last year where you hit 194 in a two-month stretch, actually. I think it was two months. For two months in the summer, you hit mm -hmm. 194. Yeah. What? Hmm. How, how can you be taken seriously as a major league outfielder? What's up with Pompey? Dalton Pompey. We're getting well, to the bench you know, now, I think. It's it's Dalton is not going to make this team, and I fear that it might be time to give him a change of scenery because mm. he's been through a lot. He struggled with injuries. He was a player that got overhyped. This ridiculous Toronto media machine sometimes just chews up players and spits them out. Yeah. You know, they were yelling, Too much focus on they were a Comedian. 5-2 player for this guy. First of all, I don't think most people understand what the definition of 5-2 player is. <laughs> Anthony Go Ghost was given that title. Yeah. We know how that worked out. He's pitching sure. now. so That's so, right. <laughs> something, something about being branded that can make you go insane and start converting positions. Travis um, Snyder, I think they called him a 5-2 player. You know what, Travis? Great example. When Travis first came up, everyone started romanticizing the franchise. him. Sportsnet, Sportsnet did a special on him, how, you know, he suffered great loss and tragedy in his family, and they wanted him to get over the hump. The problem was he couldn't follow up with it. He, mm -hmm. couldn't, he couldn't hit major league pitching consistently. Yeah. Uh, and I fear that's the problem with Dalton Pompey. He can't do it. He can't hit major league pitching consistently. If he could, the organization would be happy to give him a chance. He was their best speed resource in almost decades. Not since True. I think Shannon Stewart for raw everyday player. Yeah, I yep. wanted him to make it. I, I was higher on Anthony Alford, but we all know how that ended up. So now, like I said, uh, with Dalton, it's I think it's time to have another team pick him up, and then you and I can talk about him three years later when he's at the All Star game. Anthony Alford, what kind of what, what what can we expect from him? If he can recover and get back, hopefully we'll see him at some point this year because yeah. he, he was hitting with extra base power. Yeah. And impressing a lot of people. Raw athletic talent. They, you know, he's, oh, he's, he's one of those athletes, right? He's, he's great. He's one of those athletes whom you can see get a chance to hit, and then he sticks with the team. Maybe a little bit like Eric Thames stuck with the Brewers after mm. they gave him a chance. You yeah. know? Sometimes you just got to give a player. Sometimes you've got to give a player a month of baseball, and that's how you grade him. Don't give him a couple of appearances throughout the week sure. or the month. Just put him out there. Put him out there consistently and see what he can do. And that's how you know whether you've got something on your hands. Worst case scenario, you go back to whatever plan B was. And I, I, Anthony Alford's never been given that chance. Hopefully this was the year that that was the case. But after his injury, we'll see how he recovers. Hernandez. He came to the team near the end of last season sometime, right? Am I, am I, am I right? That's right. Impressed September. a lot of people. Yeah, he impressed them with his power in particular. Yeah. Unfortunately, he also impressed them with his strikeout ratio in all the wrong ways. You know? <laughs> I mean, 33% is not going to get it done. You just, you, you can't do that. Like, I'm all for power numbers, but you're not going to impress me if you strike out 200 times a year. Mm -hmm. And you know why. We've talked about this before. Yeah. I grew up in the era of Corey Snyder and Rob Deere mm -hmm. and Ivan Calderon and Steve Balboni. Oh, my goodness. And if you think about it, these were some of the most 
you know, outrageously porous, hole in their swing, mm -hmm. one dimensional hitters you can find, they would literally average 150, 180 strikeouts. And I used to look at their power numbers even as a kid and say, what the, what's the point of hitting 32 home runs through 162 games? If you're literally, if that's all you're doing, out, <laughs> if that's all you're doing, you're either hitting the home runner, and, and, and you'd like to see that with Tay Oscar because he's got a great stroke. Yeah, he knows how to hook the ball from the right side. Mm -hmm. He's a great athletic specimen. If he can get a little bit disciplined, just a little bit more disciplined, mm -hmm. then I think he'll be a regular in this Blue Jays lineup. But until then, Gibbons can't risk it because no. the lineup of, you know, the air conditioning will be provided by the number of strikeouts that the power hitters <laughs> give them. So two young players that, that uh, debuted uh, in spring training playing for the Jays uh, and I believe are in Montreal right now. Um, Bo Bichette, Vladdy Jr., Guerrero Jr. Um, your, your thoughts. These, these like It's been a while since two Blue Jays prospects have been hyped as much as these two. It's been a long time. And there have been some great Blue Jays prospects in the past. Mm. They don't come around very often. The last time they really made everybody truly smitten about the future was when it was uh, the late 90s and you had Carlos Delgado and Shannon yes. Stewart and oh my Sean goodness. Green. And Sean Roy, Green. And Roy Halladay and Chris Carpenter. And you were like, oh my God, look at this young talent. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. And the sad part is that all those names, they couldn't keep. They couldn't. In fact, no. it, virtually all those names they lost in their prime. Which yeah, is embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. sorry. As a fan of the team, mm -hmm. it is an emotional investment for me sure. to follow these players only to watch them leave in their mid to late twenties. Yeah. You could argue that they got their best years. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what we're going to see with Bo oh, and Vlad Guerrero. We're really? going to get their best years yeah. for six years. Yeah. And then until they hit free agency. And then when they hit free agency, I I, I can't predict that far into the future. Yeah. Um, because at this point, when I think that far into the future, I'm like haunted by stats that tell me like 60% of the animals will be missing on the face of the planet. Oh, so like in terms of relativity, not to get too existential on you, but I don't know if baseball it's, will it's, even look like important. baseball in six years. Exactly. But I do know this, that as far as prospects go, mm -hmm. these two are seriously world class. Yeah. One of them has been given the greatest hit rating of 80 by Baseball America it's ever assigned a prospect, mm -hmm. even more than Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. The other has shown that he can hit at a level and handle pitches like that opposite field home run he hit a few days ago. I forgot who it was against in spring training. Bo Bichette will be the real deal. And from the Blue Jays' perspective, to have those two players, mm -hmm. one playing third base, the other one playing shortstop, coming up at the same time, I mean, you can't get any more excited about that as a fan. That's a gift. That's a gift you didn't deserve. Because really, they, they, they kind of ended up falling in your lap, especially in the case of Vlad. And considering how badly Anthopolis strained the cupboards for the Blue Jays to, to be... To already in, have these two players. Well, it's 2018, and they've got the top 10 farm system in baseball. That's quite remarkable when you consider that at the end of 2015... Yeah. All the cupboards were empty. It's empty. I mean, he... There's no Anthopolis one just went... You they know, couldn't he, put together a triple-A team. He was like you and I going to Casino Rama to play mm -hmm. poker. We just brought all our money with us. And yeah. we just started putting it in the table. And we started going all in. And, and, and it, unlike what usually happens, which is you go home bankrupt. Yeah. He pulled it off. He pulled it off because he made baseball relevant again. Sure. But at a terrible, terrible price. Because at one point, he traded every organizational left-handed pitching prospect in the Blue Jays <laughs> system. 
That's why Aaron Loop is the only left. That's the yeah. I'm sorry. That's just the truth. Yeah. He literally got rid of everyone. And don't even get me started on the starters and the way he broke up the Lansing three and how Noah Syndergaard, the best pitcher right now in baseball, should have been a Blue Jay. But listen, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. They, they did what they needed to do. They became relevant again. And now Mark Shapiro has in his hands a legitimately strong farm system mm -hmm. with some fantastic prospects. And they're replenishing it. They're replenishing yeah. it. And if they, if they do win a wild card... I think he'll win Baseball Executive of the Year because it's a rare thing to do what he set out to do, which was contend and rebuild. Yeah, so at the like same time. Sounds like but he, he might pull He's, it off. Yeah, you never, you never know. Um, I'm not expecting um, either of those two players to make an appearance before September. Maybe they get called up to to, um, to get a look-see, to, to, to get some experience. I don't know in September, you know, during the call-up season, depending, again, how the Jays are doing. Um Maybe they just invite them just to sit on the bench and watch. Remember, if they do that, they'll lose an extra year of control. Even in September? So, so, well, technically, no. But the problem is if you if you bring them up in September, you're bringing them up because presumably they're going to help you contend, right? It doesn't make sense to bring them up, I think, to get a cup of coffee in September uh, if you're losing. I'd like them to defy conventional logic and do the opposite. If you're winning and you need an extra bat mm -hmm. and they're hitting 381, down in, in double a a league which is designed to foster whether or not they can really make it at the major league level how mm. do you not call them up it's going to be very intriguing you know i, I mm. it's going to be an economic argument but believe me in today's social media era with fans paying attention to what's going on yeah especially you know i i do a lot of freelance work with uh fan side and yeah. people call me mr fan side and because i'm a big proponent of podcasts on that network i've got you know baseball and hockey yeah but i can tell you right now fans are savvy and if they notice they're doing well and the Blue Jays have a pop gun offense that's hitting 249 with no power, mm -hmm. how do you not bring them up? How, how do you I don't know. How do you tell the fans, you know, we've know. got the resources that are showing <laughs> they can hit, but we want to control them better for economic management in the future. It's intriguing. I like that. That's a part of the game. That's yeah. the game within the game. But you got it. Those two, generational. Yeah. I believe that they will be Blue Jays for many years to come. Go out and get their rookie cards. Oof. People uh, still do that? We haven't had a, an opportunity to do that. <laughs> we got old, sadly. Yeah. I guess that's the one way to look at it. So. Um, let's talk about pitching. I, I'm, I think I'm excited about this this pitching staff uh, for two reasons. You got two young bucks in Sanchez and, and Stroman. I don't know if you can call them. They're still young, relatively young. Um, Sanchez, who's got something to prove, who uh, the year before last was arguably the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, both him and uh, his his friend out in uh, the Mets, Syndergaard, uh, were probably the two best pitchers in baseball. Um, but he's coming off a, a a season where he can figure out the blister, or the Jays can figure out the blister problems. Um, Jay Happ, Estrada, Estrada, I don't know how Estrada is still standing. This guy, his his back seems to be the it's worst wonky. back is wonky, but he's he's. But you know, all of them have something to prove. That's the thing. You think? Yeah. All, all five of them do. If you if you really and think Garcia, about it. I, I don't know Garcia too much. Garcia Jaime Garcia is a real wild card because he's a player who many years ago was regarded as an above average pitcher with great capabilities to get over the hump and become an elite starter. He's got the stuff. Mm. Uh, this is a great reclamation project. That was actually a very good. It's pickup. a chance. Well, I, I I was favoring Cobb and a lot of other people. Lynn mm. were, were favoring other available options, but. Garcia shown in spring training in particular that he's ready to pitch. And if you think about it, you've got a rotation that features the ERE leader from 2016, mm -hmm. 
a pitcher who finished eighth in Cy Young Award voting last year, Jay Happ, who won 20 games only two years ago, mm-hmm. and Marco Estrada, who was their most effective playoff pitcher in the last two years. Like you, you've got, you've That's got, thing. you've got that, that. That to me is their indisputable advantage, their weapon. If there's one thing you can say about this Blue Jays team, they mm-hmm. have above average pitching, mm-hmm. and it's what's going to keep them in games. And that's why they're going to have to win a lot of two to one and three to two games. Yeah. And you're going to see that. You're going to see them get quality starts, and then you're going to see the bullpen come in, and it's a good strong bullpen, headed by one of the best young closers in the game. Who probably should have won his arbitration hearing. Check that. He should have won his arbitration ruling. It didn't work out. You got a lot of guys who are playing to make money for the future and to get the next contract. And, and look at the starters. All five of them have very little job security long term. And if we've noticed sure. one thing with free agency, it's how quickly your perceived value can change. Mm-hmm. So the way I see it, if they can get an average of 12 wins from each starter, they'll be in good shape. That's, that's the magic number. If you can get about 12 wins from each starter, then you can rely on the bullpen and other games that don't involve the starters as what can get you over the hump. Over that hump? Compete. Yeah. Um, is there someone that you're worried about with these five pitchers in terms of their health? I, uh, or, or is health like a wild card? It could affect anybody anytime. You it is, it, it is and, and you have to be philosophical about it, right? Two years ago, they were a picture of health. It was amazing how many quality True. starts they had. And yes. then last year, it was the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So let, let's let's get a middle ground in there. Yeah. You've got Joe Biagini as your sixth starter, yeah. as an emergency backup. He's starting in Buffalo. Yeah, he's going yeah. to be down on the farm doing his thing. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with that. I still don't know what they're doing with this Biagini experiment because... I, I he would should like, just be I, a middle reliever. He should be a high leverage bullpen guy, yeah. the way he's been in the past. I, I, I don't like playing around with his skill set. Maybe they know something I clearly am not sure. seeing, which is his potential mm. to be a starter. Maybe. And quite frankly, he might be that starter in 2019. But this five sum, if they can stay reasonably healthy, uh, Sanchez is the wild card. If he has really gone up, if he's gotten over his blister problem, then you're talking about a serious contribution you didn't get at all last yeah. year. I mean, he pitched a grand total of what? like 36 innings. He yeah. was on the t- disabled list four times last year. You didn't get a year of Aaron no. Sanchez. If it's any indication in spring training, you're about to see you're about Aaron to see Sanchez of old. And you, know, and you know that his former best friend, Marcus Stroman, is uh, like is his, very competitive. It's like his nemesis now. It's, it's like... It's weird. I don't know what it is. From like best friends, I, training partners. Is it really though? Is it really that weird? I mean, think Isn't about it? it. If you and I... How do you go from best... Like, all, like okay, here's an example. From the outside, here's, here's best buddies example. to like... Ari and like, Kareem are best friends. They right. pitch together on the same team. Yeah. And they're competitive. Yeah. And they're always trying to outdo one another. Yeah. And they always talk about Xbox together. Yeah. Is an example. Sure. But then suddenly, if you're Strowman and I'm Sanchez... You start understanding that the organization from day one has embraced Sanchez as their proof positive pitcher marketing man that they want to roll out there. They gave, him, they gave him a WestJet deal. They included him in all the principal Blue Jays branding. Meanwhile, Marcus goes out and does his own thing with his HDMH brand, mm-hmm. with his American Express contract. Yeah. Now, whether or not you can, you can stop and ask yourself, well... Why is that? Is that a political decision? Is it motivated by the organization liking the player? It is what it is. One has always been coddled and protected by the organization. The other mm-hmm. one's always been criticized for his unruly tweets and controversial controversial musings. Mm. I say good. 
good. They've probably fallen out over reasons of, of favoritism, and now one's got something to one-up the other with. And right now, Aaron Sanchez is the one who's got something to prove, not Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman has proven to me mm -hmm. that he's the best pitcher on this Blue Jays squad. Sure. And people would say, well, look at Sanchez's season. I mean, he only had two losses, had a three ERA. Why, why would you say that? I'm like, because Marcus Stroman has always been there for the big games. Mm -hmm. He is their best big game pitcher. He is. He has earned the right to speak his mind. Absolutely. And considering the adversity he's faced, mm -hmm. I'm tired of people who are arguing that, you know, he should be dismissed as posturing. He, he doesn't posture. He is no. who he is. He was almost a six-win above replacement pitcher last year. Do you know what that is by today's standard? That's literally you are in a very rare one percentile of pitchers who can literally... How many million dollars per win? Is it $10 million per win? $5 million I per win? I believe it was it? estimated that based on his war last year, he should have made about... 21 million dollars or 18 million dollars which is all the more reason why it's so ridiculous that, he that he's going to make you know what he's going to make this year which i think is like 5.5 .5 or 5.8 million dollars i say good he's going to keep pitching well he's going to keep building his brand mm -hmm. and if there's competition between sanchez and, and i love stroman it. i say let it be <laughs> Bring it let on. them do it let them let them pitch angry let them do what they do best why mm -hmm. because if sanchez falls behind stroman mm -hmm. He's going to realize that people are just going to say, dude, you may be a Scott Boris client with all this pedigree in the minors, but you're still not able to put it together consistently. And that's what organizations want. The Blue Jays want pitchers who go out there and do it all quality the time. starts. That's why Hap had such a great year two years ago under the radar. He yeah. just went out and got and it just done. Did, just did Seven innings, eight innings, two earned runs, six strikeouts, one walk. Job well done. Jays win. Osuna last year, um, they were they were. He was a, a scientist, it seemed. He was experimenting too much with different pitches. Um, he had a he had a mental breakdown as well, apparently. Um, yeah. What, what 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 can we expect from arguably uh, the top young closer in baseball? That's not an unfair statement. In fact, that is that is the statement. It should be mm -hmm. what you just said. It it should be recognizing that he's one of the best, if not best, young closers in the game who went through some serious social anxiety and mm -hmm. other mental health-related issues that sadly were thrown into the forefront yeah. the minute that he indicated he was not able to come out into a game. They've got to be careful with him. They've got such an amazing raw talent. I was dismayed that he lost his arbitration hearing. Again, I couldn't understand how a player who's an all-star and only getting better at the age of 21 would be denied an opportunity to maybe make a little bit of extra money until yeah. he eventually gets to a point where he can be the master of his own destiny. Uh, as Roberto Osuna goes, so will the Blue Jays because he will be put into some crucial situations in the ninth inning at Yankee Stadium or at Fenway Park, and mm -hmm. the pressure is unbelievable. Yeah, It didn't surprise me that we're hearing... It's not just Osuna lately. If you think about it, we've been hearing more and more athletes in professional sports who are struggling with depression mm -hmm. or anxiety and it's not being addressed by their team. Hmm. And I, I can't understand that. If I'm employing you for $20 million a year, you'd think that my priority be, would be to make sure your mental health was where it should be, mm -hmm. which is focused on the task at hand and not suffering from any external issues. I don't know what's going on with, with Roberto Osuna. I know he's a very devout religious man, and I know that he's recently had a baby, and he's got a wife and children now, and he's like a young kid who hasn't had a chance to be an adult yet. And anytime you're a young kid and you're still learning how to be an adult on the fly and have expectations of a city on your shoulder. Remember, yeah. the closer is the closer. Yeah. There is no to be continued. It no, either ends with him ends, victorious yep. or with him bowing his head. High pressure isn't. It's playing first base or DH. High pressure <laughs> is being a closer or a starting pitcher in a meaningful game. 
Um, listen, you're, you're you're big on social media. What's up with this this hashtag Blue Jays thing? There's no more hashtags. What what have, what have the Jays hashtags been recently? Love this team. Yeah, was um, was one this year. This year they they went the simple route and just said, ah, forget it. Hashtag. Yeah, I, I think so because it was being interpreted differently, right? And 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 Twitter is not a great place to validate whether your hashtags are being effective because it's like sweeping in all sorts of both positive and negative true. opinion. That's true. I, I, the Blue Jays restructured their public relations department. They got rid of a lot of good people, mm. and now they're kind of going about it in a more focused, uh, maybe streamlined pace of how to touch as many fans out there because think about it they've got so many different demographics to look at and baseball traditionally is a game that's beloved by a much older audience so True. millennials with a shortened <laughs> attention span will not follow a team that comes out of the gate eight yeah. and 17 no like no. I, I can't stress enough how important it is for them to get you're off right. to a good start. You're right. Because if they do, they will stay relevant in the eyes of the fans, and people will question the different permutations of lineups and what it means, and then maybe get a little touch of nostalgia when old Blue Jays come in, mm -hmm. like Jesse Barfield, who recently has been commenting on the Blue Jays, and says, what a great team. They're off to a good start. Oh. He can't do that. Who under 817? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Listen, Ari, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a pool, and, and I, I'm going to tell you my team, and you let me know what you think. Um, now I, I, I didn't pick first and I didn't pick last. I was right in the middle. Sort of I that. I charge for this kind of consultation. There you but, go. <laughs> but this time I'm willing to make an exception. Okay. So at catcher, uh, from Miami, he's already on the 10 day disabled list. <laughs> Boy, you're off to a roaring start in your pool, aren't you? <laughs> JT Real Muto. Mm, yes. Um, first baseman, Joey Gallo. There's no <laughs> No comment. Keep going. I, I want to hear this team play out. Second baseman, Ian Happ. Uh-huh. Third baseman, Mike Moustakis. Mm -hmm. Shortstop, Gregorius. Didi. Didi. Uh, outfield, Bryce Harper. He was obviously my first pick back in number six or seven, I think it was. Um, also outfielder, uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Um, Yasiel Puig. What an interesting outfield. Isn't he? Like, this guy could be, like, the best baseball player in the world. Well, you've chosen three players who are at such different stages of their careers, really, <laughs> right? You've got Puig, whom you, you think will have a good year, but you don't really know with him. No, you don't. Because he's just such a... He's just such a strange baseball player. Like yeah. There's passion and desire to be mm -hmm. competitive, but there's no discipline. Mm. And then you've got McCutcheon, who's a former MVP. Yeah. Who you'd like to think has something left in the tank? I think so. But it goes back to our earlier conversation on plus thirty-year-old players in the in the in baseball. They just seem to be a dying breed of effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And then of course you've got Harper, who is going to be paid a king's ransom in one year from now, and it makes you wonder whether he actually. I mean, you'd like to think he keeps up the same standard. Yeah. But he's just such a singular talent. Like you don't know what's going to happen with him. He, my, my problem with Bryce Harper is that for a player of his mercurial talent, he's mm -hmm. got a one-cent head. He's not a smart Scott. baseball player. No, it's true. He gets into a lot of controversies yeah. through his lack of leadership, mm. his inability to, to be a team player. There have been far too many cases where his emotions have gotten the best of him, and he's admitted it to the most, you know, admitted his responsibility for that. I'm a big player that humbleness, humility, is a baseball player's greatest weapon. Mm -hmm. Go out there. Get the job done. 
know that you'll have good weeks and that you'll also have bad ones. And sometimes the difference might be one hit a week. Sure. But remember, your fans will love you if you're steady, consistent, and honorable. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. I say this as someone who grew up watching some really excellent baseball players lose their cool. Mm. The worst example was when Roberto Alomar came back as a Baltimore Oriole and spat and at spat the umpire. umpire yeah. Like, I'm sure that's, like, if you were to ask Robbie, he'd probably say that's the one memory he wishes he could go back in a I time agree. machine and delete. And so, congratulations, you've put together a team that'll oh, I'm not you, done. Oh, there's I'm not more, done. There's I'm not done. So, so Chris Davis is on the bench right now. That's a hell of a pick right there. You and your homage to 200 strikeouts. <laughs> go on. That's That'll that'll help you well. Okay. Chris Davis. There's okay. air conditioning. All right, my pitchers. Corey Kluber. Mm. Uh, Patrick Corbin. Uh-huh. Craig. Kimbrell, um, Tyler Chatwood, Severino. A lot of a lot of National League players. I noticed. You, you have a preference? For no, I just. No, but, but I'm just curious. Like, how do you perceive the NL versus the AL when it comes to picking players that you want to be productive? Do, do you? Have I, I think. Well, I, I think. I think. I think National League pitchers have an easier lineup to pitch. I think that one pitcher in 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 the in, in the order. Um, it's not. It's not a gimme. Obviously, it's not a gimme, but it's 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 less of a threat than American League DHs. I have a great statistic for you that's going to blow oh, your mind oh that few people know about. All Did right. you know that designated hitters in the American League, yeah, collectively, were about ten percent less effective in terms of their productivity than position players in the American League. Fair enough. But think about that. But then versus pitchers in the National League, right? That's, but that's... no, but regardless of what, I'm not even doing it to compare to the NL. I'm saying mm -hmm. why is a position where your one job is to hit mm -hmm. less efficient than a position player? Is that just last year's numbers? Last year's I'm numbers. I'm wondering if that's an anomaly. I, I think it might be anomalous. Yeah. I think there were a lot of designated hitters who screwed the pooch last year mm -hmm. who really, really struggled. And it made me wonder, how do teams perceive designated hitting? Because once upon a time, we had the classic designated hitter who came up there like an Edgar Martinez, and his job was to hit. That's it. He had four at-bats. <clears throat> his job was to take his cuts. But now we see the designated hitter position being used as something that's platooned, that's leveraged that's right. a lot more. This is why I'm telling Give you. Give somebody a rest, a half day off. Morales makes $11 million, and his job is to show up, stretch a little bit, and take four at-bats a game. That's not exactly a challenge no, in professional not. sports. So if you're going to have that kind of easy life, do it do, well. Do it well. Do it well. All right, let's continue here. Trevor Bauer. Aaron Sanchez. You landed Aaron Sanchez. I landed Aaron Sanchez. Jake Odorizzi. And then I've got Jacob DeGroom. I tried to get the other long-haired guy. He wasn't available. <laughs> Denilson Lamette. I don't even know who that is. Tanner Rourke. I've got Michael Wacha. I've got a rookie, St. Louis Cardinals, Alex Reyes. Again, most of your pitchers are National League pitchers as well, which is probably a good play because you'll get statistical seasons yeah. out of them. And then Marco Estrada. And then Marco Estrada is your like, last afterthought. He, Mark, I think he was one of the last players I picked. If, if Marco stays healthy, yeah. I see him rebounding very nicely. Yeah. I like the fact that his countryman is his fifth starter in the rotation, mm -hmm. Garcia. Mm -hmm. And you've got Asuna. I like our Mexican contingent. Yeah. I've always admired Mexican baseball players because 
internationally, they've had a harder lot at it than a lot of the more privileged international signings. It's tough to be a Mexican baseball player who can get to the point where you're exalted in the majors. And I think mm. the Blue Jays have got three they've got some that might ones. really shake and bake this year and make people go, wow, let me learn more about the history of pitching in Mexico, which is, by the way, a very time-honored, treasured history. Yes, there. yes, yes. And it gets ignored a lot when we talk about internationally. You know, we're talking about the Dominican Republic yeah, yeah. or Cuba. Enough about that. Let's talk about Mexico. It's close by and it's great to go and check out. Okay, listen, some, some breaking news. Tulitsky to visit ankle specialist Wednesday. Surgery, a potential option. So the Troy Tulitsky story, unfortunately, is shaping up to be a sad tragedy in the annals. Of, uh, we just passed Blue over Tulitsky. Did we? We didn't even talk about it. No, did we, we didn't. We didn't because it's so <laughs> profoundly sad. It's sad. Let's understand what Troy Tulitsky is. Mm -hmm. Troy Tulitsky is a player that when he came to Toronto was headed to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes. Based on what he'd done with, with Colorado, he was positioning yes. himself to be a player mm -hmm. that if he could have half-decent seasons in his 30s, he would eventually get the call. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Troy Tulitsky, since becoming a Toronto Blue Jays player, has hit 250 and not been able to find the consistency that he had. 250, 36 home runs, 39 doubles, right. 183 strikeouts, 238 games. It's it's a 20 million this year. It's it's mediocrity at its worst by his standards, maybe not as much by people who follow shortstops, but the problem is when your name is Tulowitzki and you come to this market, there's a pretty significant expectation of where you're going to go as a player and he has not gone anywhere near that benchmark and I don't think you'll be hearing nearly as many Tulo chants. You know, he's got his own meta chant. I wish I had a meta chant. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. You'd go places and people would be like, you know, Kareem Kanji and then clap three clap. times. That's amazing, <laughs> right? Um, it's, it's sad because it makes you wonder what Colorado knew when they traded him. Because I, I'm convinced that the reason, mm. you know, the whole, the, whole, the whole controversy with Tulo when he arrived here was he felt betrayed by Colorado because yeah. he had a handshake agreement with the owner. Yeah. Well, clearly they knew something either about his health or the way he was regressing that they decided to go all in on Trevor's story and flip Tulo for a deal that cost us amazing resources yeah. at that time. I would like to see him rebound. I'm really worried about I mean, who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't? But, but my, my concern now is that the damage that was caused by stepping on Cronin's foot last year, along with bone spurs that he had in the past, he might become one of those players like Eric Lindros, who, when That's he it. was fully healthy, could still do it, but you just watched him in his last three, four years, and you were like, oh, just a do you remember simile. exactly do you remember i don't want that for him he doesn't want that for him no fan does nobody wants to think of troy Tulowitzki as a as a kind of you know charity case in the twilight of his career comfortably making 20 million dollars a year for the next two years fair enough we've talked a lot about blue jays um i don't know whether there's anything else Has, have we missed anything well I think we need to recognize how important this year is with the fan base. Uh, they, the, the ticket sales are low. The projected sales are low. Opening day still not sold out? I, I, I don't think so. Someone it's had not, told me that it was. But I've seen. I've, I've no, read, they're, yeah. still, they're still trying to sell tickets. The, I think that's that's a real concern. So here's, here's what I've heard. I've heard that um, last year season ticket base was high because to get playoff tickets in 2016, you had to get seasons tickets for 2017 and what we're seeing in 2018 is a lot of those people have lapsed obviously there was no playoff drive to sell tickets let's be thus, clear let's yeah. be clear they also changed their flex packs in the way people flex can packs buy, have changed yeah you know can buy tickets there's a little bit of greed there 
the, the Blue Jays want to take advantage of doing their marketing machine and, and, and getting as many people to commit to tickets. The problem is there is so much uncertainty with what this product will be. It's really simple in the final analysis. Win, baby. Mm. Win. If you win, they will come. If you build it, they will come. They will not come. Fair enough. They will not come because you are, are, are giving them the awesome privilege of watching the only Canadian team because that's more reason for you to be investing in fan commitment and loyalty. This is the only Canadian team. It's not like you and I are comparing the Montreal Expos or, you know, the Vancouver Giants or some other team out there. We've got like four different Canadian teams. 35 million plus people have a chance to follow this team and they will if this team can show them win. that they're worth following. All right, man. This has been good. Yes. Listen, thank you everybody for listening. Um, if you are looking for a place to always listen to this, you got a number of places you can go to. Check out girthradio.com, the host uh, of this podcast um, here in the side Pacific Junction Hotel. You could also go to kareemkanji.com. If you have an iPhone and you use Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review. I would be in your debt. And we are also we also can be found on Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and almost every other place that you uh, listen to podcasts. Um, Ari, your show, who do you got coming up sometime soon? Well, I've got on the Jays Journal side, yeah. the baseball side, I've got uh, a number of writers uh, from the Toronto Star, the Toronto Sun, National Post. If I start giving you news There's right writers now, at the Toronto Sun? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right that. I'm I sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I better not play for him until the show is up, but... I'm really focusing on getting a lot of writers and bloggers and podcasters on the show to exchange nice. their ideas. In terms of uh, in terms of uh, players and former players, there'll always be some surprises that I'm offering. Yeah. And the same thing on the hockey side with my other show, Habs Fan versus Leafs Fan. You know me, like you, I love the soothsaying part of it, getting mm-hmm. people on to talk about new and exciting things that challenge the listener. And as you know, I will never shy away from doing that. Awesome. And people can follow you on Twitter, Ari underscore. Shapiro. That's it. Ari underscore Shapiro. And you can find my work on the fan side and network and blog talk radio. And uh, be sure to check by and see what I have cooking next. Always a new surprise. Listen, okay. some, some upcoming guests we got coming on. Remember that group, Soul to Soul? Yeah, I do. Keep on moving, don't stop. Oh, man, don't stop singing that. So, Grammy Award winner, co-writer uh, of uh, Grammy Award winning songs, Simon Laws coming in from Soul to Soul. He'll be in studio soon. Uh, Glass Tigers, Alan Frew. Is, is also coming. And uh, former NC2A champion, 2003 world champion, and still Canadian record holder, Perdita Felicien, is coming in studio as well. So that's why, guys, you need to, guys and girls, you need to subscribe, rate, and review, and uh, be a part of this awesome journey that we're on, talking to some really cool people. I'm honored to be part of any show that features so many talented musicians. Thanks for coming in, Ari. Stuff. My pleasure. <laughs>